Now, last week I spoke about how the church needs an upgrade. And our God is the God of the upgrade. It's really important for you to uh, come with me on this because God wants to upgrade not only this church, but the church in the nation so the church can finish the assignment that God gave it. Because God has given us an assignment. And you know, when Paul came into Ephesus in in, uh, Acts chapter 19, there was a little group of believers there, only 12 men. They didn't even count the women. That's pretty cruel, isn't it? So there's probably, you know, 24, 28, 30 people, 30 believers in a room. They believed in God. And the most current prophet they had was John the Baptist. They'd heard the John of John the Baptist. They'd been baptised and they'd repented of their sin and they'd go, we want to come back to God. And that was their level. So they were outdated. Do you know, it's very easy to become outdated. If I look at my photos of the, uh, you know, when, when Lynn fell in love with me, I thought, well, I was the trendiest dude. <laughs> like sort of Joel Churchill does now, you know? Sorry, Joel. Every time Joel gives me a bit of a, you know, dull look on the face, I just sort of, you know. So, so you know, we can, we can be like that, but if we're not careful, we become outdated. It's like the fashions change quickly, the... You know, the the times change quickly. The world changes quickly. Now what God wants to do is he wants to come in and he wants to upgrade us so that we become the church in the city that God wants us to be. Now, if you don't become, um, this is the tendency, if you don't become spiritually updated, we either fall into a like a dead traditionalism or we get caught up in the liberalism, and either way, we are no longer effective. And we can become quite off track. And God wants to bring us right back. He wants to be the God of the now. He wants to reveal himself now into us so that we can reveal him into the city and even the nation. And that's why we have to be upgraded And we serve a God of the continual upgrade. He's continually upgrading us. In fact, in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18, it says uh, that, that, uh, it's 3.18 and 4.18, and they're very similar scriptures and I get them confused. But one of them says that uh, we are, uh, as we beholding him are being transformed into the same image day by day. Daily we're being upgraded. And I think it's 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says that we do not look at the, uh, the outward, but we look at the inward. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed every day. So you can be young and completely out of date, or you can be old and totally on it with where Jesus is and where Jesus wants you to be. So that's why you have some people that are like older and they just don't look old. You know, it's like they're youthful because the spirit of the Lord renews their strength. 
And this is why you need continually upgraded. You've got to let go of yesterday's thinking. And, you know, we need to value yesterday's experience, but we need to see that the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. You know, that's what upgrade is. So God's taking us powerfully towards something. And, uh, you know, I'm on to this. It's sort of pretty cool because I think God's been really showing me this over a little, you know, quite a season. But you've got to look at why, you know, where the church is at and maybe why it's lost its power. You know, the early church was powerful. And if you look at the church now, it's like, uh, you know, we've held our positions. We've held our positions, our charismatic positions, our religious positions, our traditional positions, or even our liberal positions. And that's all been okay for a season, but now we're losing the cultural wars. Because the church, the world's been changing, but the church has not kept up with the world or what God wants to do. So often people start out in a direction only to become frustrated, limited, or even stopped. And God has his ways of intervening and turning things around. And these are supernatural interventions from God. You like that? Supernatural interventions. I am into supernatural interventions. It's like at the last election, we were heading down a pathway and I don't know what it would have been like. But what happened? We had a supernatural intervention and God answered the prayers of the church. And for the first time in a long, long time, we have a real Christian prime minister. And not only that, we've got one in Papua New Guinea. We've got one in the Solomon Islands. We've got one in Samoa. And God's beginning to move right through the region. You know, so it's just not, this is wow. You know, we were gone. And then all of a sudden God's moved because Margaret Court had a dream and the Lord spoke to her in a dream, the great tennis champion and said, church, pray. God's given us a man of God to lead the nation. And here in this church, we really prayed. You know, it was, it was really great. And this is what we've got to do because something's got to happen. God's got to intervene in the nation. But do you know what? We can't really rely on things like that all the time. It's like we dodged a bullet. And you know, one of the things I heard over in Malaysia before the second coming of Christ, which is a sure thing that's going to happen, in the timing of God, there will be the second coming of the church. Amen. The second coming of the church. That's when the church gets the upgrade from above and we begin to realise who we are in Christ and we become empowered by Christ and we begin to live out, you know, the potential and the call that God's given us. And this is very, very cool and exciting. Supernatural interventions. So God finds someone insignificant out of the crowd and he reveals himself to them and he turns them around. That's what a supernatural intervention looks like. Like God found Gideon in the wine press in Judges chapter 6. Insignificant man in the wine press. He was actually in there hiding. You know, in the wine press. 
The Midianites, you know, the nations become backslidden. And the Midianites began to come in and terrorise the place. And where's this man, Gideon, in the winepress? And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing in here, mighty man of valour? And he goes, who, me? Mighty man of valour? I'm really in here hiding. I'm looking like I'm working, treading the wine, but I'm actually hiding. And God begins to upgrade. And sometimes, you know, in God's upgrading, God begins to downsize. This is really right because Gideon had a mega church, 20,000 people. But it was like 19,700 of them got pushed aside because God was going to intervene. Because not everybody wants to get upgraded. You know, not, what, not everybody wants to do it God's way. But when God finds a group, a person, a man, a woman, a young person or an old person, and they go, hey, I am ready for this, God can begin to do something. So God took, you know, Gideon's in there and he's going, God, where are the miracles that our forefathers told us about? Have you ever prayed prayers like that? And that's the environment where we can be, where God begins to use. It's a supernatural intervention. In the time of Saul, the nation had become quite off track. And you can read about it in 1 Samuel 3.17. Sorry, 3.1. And it says there that there was no revelation in the land. There's no revelation. It was like God wasn't talking. But do you know what? God's always talking. God speaks from heaven, but there was no revelation. I'll tell you what that was like. No one was picking up the frequency. No one was getting it loud and clear. How many of you have heard God from this week? Because see, when you have no revelation, you are completely unaware of it. You're unaware of it. But we were created, like if you, if you have a transistor radio, it is created to receive. And your life is a spirit and God is a spirit and you were created to be constantly hearing from him. Constantly. This is what happens when you become born again and you become upgraded. It's like God is talking to you. And even when, you know, you can have a really sort of be in a really dull meeting with dull preaching and the Holy Spirit is really talking to you. It's no excuse. It's no excuse. When was the last time God spoke? When was the last time you got a loud and clear from heaven and you had to write something down? It was so God. That's the way we're meant to live. But there was no revelation in the land and it affected the lands. The leaders were no longer hearing God. Eli himself, the priest, had lost the plot. But he was still ministering in the temple. And then God found a young man, Samuel. 
And God begins to speak to him. Samuel, the young man, begins to serve in the temple. And there God, you know, begins to, you know, prepare him for the future. And while he's ministering there with Eli, the Lord begins to call out his name and say, Samuel, Samuel. And eventually he says, is that you, Lord? That's the beginning of the change in a nation when you begin to say, is that you, Lord? You know, God's going to do something. I'll tell you why. Because years ago when I was about 27 and I was up in, uh, in Albury, Wodonga, 27 or 8, I was praying like this and the Lord started to speak to me. And initially I was going, is that you, Lord? And then I can look back now and I can think all those, that, is that you, Lord's God has proven them to be exactly who it said it was. It was the Lord God speaking to me through dreams and visions and in my own heart because I was saying, God, speak to me. This is when you begin to, the upgrade begins to happen. But what happened here in the time of Samuel, the nation, or the time of Saul, the nation had become so far off track. In fact, Saul's leadership, King Saul, he was given as a leader because the nation really didn't want God as their king. They wanted a human king that they could see and they could touch and they could follow. So do you know what happened? God gave them what they needed, which was exactly what they wanted, which created chaos. But God, but God began to intervene in the background because he was about ready to do a supernatural upgrade. You've got to go back and listen to my last week's message, please. Please. Can't upgrade you. Unless you, you get it. So there's no widespread re uh, revelation. No one was listening. No one was listening. Do you know? that in the days of Malachi the prophet, Malachi let go some incredible truth bombs into the nation that absolutely held the key to turning the nation around. But the people, just like you and me, could not hear the word that was coming. So do you know what God did? He stopped speaking. For 400 years, until the nation had become so religious, so dead, so backslidden, so hardened, that God began to raise up a man, and that was John the Baptist, who called the nation back. In fact, the last words of the prophet Malachi spoke about the next move of God, which was going to be 400 years down the track, John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist turned up, he rocked the religious establishment like you wouldn't believe. He was a bit like me. He was totally un-PC. It's been prophesied over me that I'm a modern-day John the Baptist. You know, a few years ago, we baptised some of our youth group. 
and it was on national TV. You don't know this, but they spoke about this modern-day John the Baptist. And I think that's something about who we are. There's a bit of a prophetic dimension that's calling people back. But here, what happened in the time of Samuel or in the time of Saul, God had to raise up a man to bring a supernatural intervention and an upgrade on the nation. And he could see what others couldn't. And if you want to check that out, it is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10, because Samuel the prophet came in to the house of Jesse. He spoke to Jesse and Jesse had more than seven sons. And, and, you know, the prophet knew that one of those men was going to be the next king. And he went through all the boys, all the big brothers. And, and Jesse brought all the big brothers out because he thought it's got to be one of these guys. And then Samuel says, uh-uh, there's something wrong here. There's something missing. There must be another one. Is there any more? And they went and got little David from down the sheepfolds. Little David. And they brought up this little guy, this ruddy looking boy. And this is the most amazing thing that changed destiny in the nation of Israel. Because the prophet said, this is the one. And he took the oil and he anointed him with oil. And from that day, things began to change in the spirit realm. Because God had begun the upgrade. The upgrade is about breaking the power of the demonic. The, power, the, the upgrade is about turning the nation around and bringing it to its destiny. The upgrade is about bringing the ark back. See, we can have church, but there's no upgrade. There's no ark. It's all built around something else. But in these days ahead, the glory of the future house is going to be greater than the latter because God's upgrading it. The best is coming. City builders, church at the stables, whatever we want to call ourselves, the best is yet to come if we can be a young man like David. What was it about him? Jesse said, God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward. This is all about what's on the inside. This is all about what's on the inside. Do you know what the problem with the church in the nation, it's become closed to God in a lot of ways. It's, it's taken a human position out of human need. It's happened progressively and we've stopped hearing. But what this minute was when David was anointed with oil, this was the beginning of a complete turnaround in the nation. And this is why this message is so important for you. I really want you to get it. It is for you, it's for the city and it's the nation. God will use his church to turn the nation around. Not any ordinary church. Not any ordinary church. The supernatural church, the church of the living God, that's the church that's going to turn the nation around. And you know what about the church of the living God? There's some in here and there's some down there and there's some down there and there's some in the Catholic church 
And there's some in the salvos. It's wherever people are going, God, I want something more. Pour it out on me. And then there's the religious church. I'll tell you how. I really want to give you just a little this morning. I'll tell you how you know the religious church. They can't remember last Sunday's message. (laughs) That's the problem. Doesn't matter if the pastor's teaching, but if God's speaking through that message, you better hear it. That's how you know. You better chase after that. You've got a responsibility to go home and dig in and dig it out and get it until you understand it just the way I do. I'm much nicer to the girls. Upgrade. We need to upgrade from above. God wants to bring something down. And so deep onto the inside of us that it'll change our world. It's happened to me. God put me in a position where I just had to go this way. He set me up. <laughs> just finding my spot again now. Let's talk about the church of the living God. It needs an upgrade. So Paul came in and he began in Acts 19, he finds just a handful of disciples. These men and women were good people. Say that, good people. They were faithful followers of John the Baptist. But they were living on yesterday's revelation. Do you know how, why you have to live on yesterday's revelation? Because you haven't heard God today. And, it, and you know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us this daily bread. That's the daily download, the daily update that must come into our life. So what had happened, these good guys had stopped. They'd stopped the journey. They'd found John the Baptist. They'd responded to the last move, but they'd stopped. Do you know what the problem's with most of us? We stop. You know? A lot of people have stopped in different moves and not gone on. And you know, uh, say for instance, the seventh day Adventist, I'm not against them, there's a part of the church of the living God in there. But if that is what holds you, that's where you stop. And we've got to step out and continue the move forward. And that can only happen when we're upgraded. I remember when this happened to me, I, God called me out of the Catholic church. In the early days, and I, I was in there. I'd been to the seminary. And I knew that God was calling me out because he wanted to do something. And I had a real thing, and it was about what I'd been taught doctrinally, that on this rock I'll build my church. And I was bent out of shape over that because I'd been taught what that means. And I really got into God's face about that. And then one day God downloaded into my heart what it meant and I was able to move forward. Do you know what? You can't move forward from where you are until something new comes into your heart. Your problems and your limitations can become chronic if something new doesn't happen. Amen? Is that right? Yeah. So this is why we need to continually be getting 
download from heaven. So, you know, they'd stopped. If people don't find the right way forward, the future is limited. Now, often we upgrade the building. This is a great building. Love this building. The sound system. We get a big screen. I want a big screen. One like that, that goes right across each side. LED, please. That'll do me. But that is not the type of upgrade that we really need. But this is what a lot of us are settling for. They're helpful though. So Paul not only was converted in Acts 9, but he was given a guided tour of heaven. And if, if I can explain this to you, you'll really be able to understand me. Because in Acts chapter 9, verse 2, a man who was serving God in his own mind and going in one direction, persecuting the church, God turned him around. And it was like a blinding experience where God supernaturally intervened in, the apost in Paul's life. He was Saul then. And we read about it in 2 Corinthians 1.4 where Paul talks about this and he says, I knew a man who 14 years ago, whether it was in the body or in the spirit, I don't know, who was caught up into the heavens. This is what you call a radical turnaround of faith. More radical than anything that we would have ever heard. And here, Paul is caught up, he's knocked off his horse, and he's caught up into the heavens. It's literally what happened. And the eternal dimensions of the heavens were given to him. He saw it. It's really important that we understand what we're reading. Because two-thirds of the New Testament were written out of this man's experience. And for that reason, it's very important to you and to me. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament, at least, possibly 14. Paul was upgraded in a moment. He was persecuting the church. God's called him up into the heavens and said, see it from my perspective. And Paul's going, my God, my Lord. And this is a powerful supernatural intervention, but this is what happened. And he was powerfully repositioned. Paul was down on the ground killing the Christians. He actually stood back and held, their, held the cloaks while people were put to death. And then all of a sudden, but God saw in that man something that was after his own heart. So he goes, Paul, and he pulls him out into the third heaven. And then he's up here with Jesus going, look at what you're doing. Are you getting this? Yeah. Yeah. This is how two-thirds of the New Testament were written. Yeah. Out of this experience. Yeah. Everything was downloaded to him that reconfigured his life. His thinking and his whole paradigm was adjusted in a moment. That's cool. That's why you need an upgrade. 
That's why you need to listen to this message again and again and last week's again and again until you get it just like me. Because God started to speak to me about this about two years ago. And I started talking about it. And it's like now I'm getting, whoa, I'm going right in there and thinking, is this what happened? And I'm starting to see it. He was powerfully repositioned. Everything was downloaded to him that reconfigured his life. His whole thinking, his whole paradigm was adjusted in the moment. If only God could do that to you and me. But not only that, Paul was given the access code. How good's that? In other words, Paul was in the heavens and, and it was so dramatic that he doesn't know whether it was in the flesh or in the spirit. And next thing he's back in his body. And he goes, I don't know what happened. Was it in the flesh or in the body or in the spirit? I, I really don't know. It was just that real. And then he wrote out of his experience. This is what true New Testament Christianity is. It's not about going to church and having a head full of theological knowledge. That's okay. That's helpful. But when we go to the next level of getting the upgrade that we need, that's amazing because Paul was given an access code of how to get back into the heavens. And I won't talk about that this morning. You'll have to come back next week to hear it. But he was given an access because it was like watching a movie and it was on pause. Paul saw eternity from the beginning to the end. He saw this day. Do you know how he saw it? How I know he saw it? It says, he writes about it and he says, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be puffed up. They'll be proud. They'll be arrogant. You know, they'll be disrespectful for parents and they'll even forbid marriage. He said that. Ten years ago, I would have thought that's impossible. But now the Apostle Paul, writing nearly 2,000 years ago, is writing about us. Who knows? He may have seen the city builder's church and his vision. Who knows? I don't know. How we've narrowed this thing down, this New Testament, to fit in our worldly paradigm. But he was given the access code. Because if you're watching a movie, it's like what, he was watching a movie, like, except he's right in it. And you can press pause on that movie and you can go and make yourself a cup of coffee, get some cheese and crackers and come back and you can press play again. Well, God gave him the technology to re-enter and to press play. That's the potential of the church. God can show us how to do that. God showed him some stuff in the heavens. The power of the new creation. The power of you. You don't know that. I don't know that. I've, I've hardly got a clue of my potential. But Paul said this. He said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. I'll tell you what a new creation is. You can't tell the difference on the outside. But it's like God takes somebody who's a murderer, a drug addict, a slave trader, an adulterer, a fornicator, and he puts heaven in them and the old thing has passed away and they are elevated into the heavens up with Jesus and they go, whoa, 
and they see things so differently. Now, you know the concept, but Paul had the experience. He's the only man that was seated in the heavenly places with Jesus and actually saw it. And he wrote the Bible about it, two-thirds of the New Testament. How good's this? I am a new creation. I used to be really religious. I used to be really quiet, timid, shy. I had an opinion in there, but I was so frustrated that I couldn't let it out. And every time I would have become so disappointed with myself. But God's showing me a picture that's repositioning my life. And it'll reposition yours. This is supernatural upgrade. 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, all things have passed away. Do you know what? Whenever you go to a psychologist because you've got problems, they'll talk about the old things and this is the reason why you are the way you are. But if you go to God and you get a revelation that you are a new creation, you'll never need any of that. And you are being made new by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm made new. It's in the Bible. Every day I'm being made new. I'm getting daily updates. Every day. While I'm asleep, God is talking to my spirit and downloading in there. Because I live this way. We have been made alive together with him and raised up with him. A lot of young people are so almost unaware that they're alive. Yet they're in church. Hypnotised. Mesmerised. But when you get an idea of this reality, which is actually called a new creation reality, you'll live above. You'll gradually break the power. You'll break every power that is tempting you in your life. You'll break every power. You'll break through drugs. You'll break through depression. You'll break through negativity. You'll break through fear. You'll break through unbelief. You'll break through religion. You'll break through sexual dysphoria and every other problem because God is bigger than that. And we are seated with Him in the heavenly places and we no longer have to live like that. How good's that? how we've downsized it and we've come to be in a little holy huddle in a room of 12 people praying for survival. That's what the church is like. Oh God, please come back soon. He ain't coming back until we get our act together. He's coming back for a perfect church. He is coming back for a church that has overcome every enemy. Do you know what the last enemy is that the church has got to overcome? Now that's the first one. Death. How good's that? It's in the Bible. You read it. New creation. Don't talk about this anymore in church because it's impossible. It's unreal. Yet it became Paul's reality. So we're seated in the heavenly places with him. It's Ephesians chapter 2. That he might show the exceeding riches 
of His grace. The exceeding riches of His grace towards you who believe. You can't even remember my message from last week. I'm not convinced you're convinced yet. I'm definitely not a mega church pastor. <laughs> I think I'm an, uh, anyway. <laughs> that he may show the exceeding riches of his power. Power. We live in an anti-supernatural era where people will believe just about anything except the truth of God's word. We are created for good works in Christ Jesus. There's two types of works the church does. Good works or our own works. And that's where we went wrong because there's no download, no progress, you know, no accurate understanding we're getting ripped off. So this all has the wow factor. This is all the stuff that people who are overly naturally minded cannot get. That's in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says the natural man. We're all natural, hey. We live in a natural world. We interact with a natural world. We've got to go to natural schools, which are becoming very unnatural, by the way. And we learn natural ways, but we are called to be a supernatural people, not super spiritual, supernatural. Big difference. Super spiritual is, that must have been Jesus. Excuse me, something happened just there. Just recomposing. Supernatural is different to super spiritual. Yes. How do we get upgraded? Yeah. I want to get to the point. One, you must make yourself available for it. It's called positioning. Samuel was in the temple. He was in the temple. He's positioning. Got to get into the space. David was serving in the field, he was positioned. The 120 were in the upper room. They were positioned. The 12 were in the lounge room at Ephesus, but they were looking for something. They were positioned. You must position yourself. Positioning is not necessary geographical. It's the positioning of your heart. We go, hey, something's going to change. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Something's going to move. It's a bit like a woman that's pregnant and the day must come for the child to be born. It's like that in the spirit. You must begin to position yourself, make yourself available for it. Number two, you must be able to recognise who God is sending to you to upgrade you. You must be able to recognise. These disciples were fervent followers of John the Baptist. He was the next best thing to God. He was the prophet that 
Malachi had spoken of 400 years ago. John, uh, Elijah must come. He had all the qualifications of being on the cutting edge. But in the space of a couple of years, God had moved on. But those ones hadn't. So they had every reason to shut the door. You must be able to recognise who God is sending you to upgrade you. I was very open to that in the early days. I realised I didn't know it all. What you already know can be the enemy of what God wants you to know. Your present experience that you are enjoying enjoying and meeting your need can be the enemy of God's best for you. But do you know what? David was able to receive Samuel over his life. Because David was the king, but everybody has got to be connected to somebody. And in this case, David was like a spiritual father to, uh, sorry, Samuel was like a spiritual father that prepared David, prophesied over David, uh, prepared him and fathered him and discipled him to rule in the nation. Isn't that amazing? I pray that the Samuel anointing over our church becomes stronger. The disciples at Ephesus were able to receive Paul. Comes in, he says, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? These guys must have been very humble and open and willing to be taught and trained. But sometimes the more you know can just shut the door to God's best. We need to, next one, we need to keep going back to the school of the Spirit. Paul established the school of Tyrannus and the dimensions of the Spirit were imparted to them. Say imparted. This thing is caught more than it is taught. And it's in the Bible. If you look at Ephesians, sorry, Romans 1.11, Paul says, I long that I could be with you so that I could impart to you some spiritual gift. So, you know, I have a Samuel over my life and that man is imparted into my life so that I've been able to rise the right way. He's an amazing man because he has lots of spiritual sons and he treats them all a bit differently. He is incredible. But we all need a Samuel over our life, a spiritual father, a mentor, a prophetic voice who can actually speak to us about our life and our future. The Samuels in our life are very important. So the dimensions of the Spirit are imparted in the school of the Spirit. Elijah had a school of the prophets. Good idea. I've been part of the school of the prophets for 24 years now. Ongoing, endless school that I go back each year for an upgrade. The state of the church, it's all academic. Often heads bouncing off heads. But how are they accepting all the rubbish they're accepting? It's like an open door to stupidity now. I mean, Gippsland's led the way on a lot of nonsense that has come out of the religious church. 
So the state of the church, it's academic. It's often heads bouncing off heads. You know, this is what the Bible says. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's all there. But it's going to take a church that's been upgraded that is able to access the heaven and given the access code. Paul prays in Ephesians 1. He said, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And what is the greatness, exceeding greatness of his power that works towards us? Do you know why there's not a lot of healing? We don't believe what I just said. Do you know why there's not a city yet being transformed? Because the upgrade has brought us so far. But God's brought us right in here, right into this place. And God is going to do something so supernatural in this city. And this message got a lot to do with it. This is like next year's message this year. We must become the church of the upgrade. You've got to understand this message just like I did. Do you reckon that's biblical? You know, it's not about you having your opinion and me having my opinion. It's about us having his opinion. And then we can go, whoa. Because the church, the purpose of apostolic ministry is not to give someone a title. It's to cause the church to ascend into the heavens so that it can rule and govern from that place. That's the purpose of the church. It's more than getting people saved. It's about you realising you are a new creation. You are a spirit that lives on the inside of a body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you walk on the earth and you live on the earth and you experience everything, the good and the bad that people experience on the earth. But you are a new creation and you are called to rule and live in the heavenly realm and see everything from there. Poverty is not a big problem. You know, all the, you know, sexual ideologies, they're no big deal because we are seated in with the heavenly places. And when you come up here, you go, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. Paul saw it all from there. This is a message really, if you get it in, you can transform your life. So you've got to keep going back, keep going back, keep connecting. When you don't get it, you say, what is it I don't understand about this? Because Paul prayed, I pray that you would know what is the hope of your calling. So we're settled for human success. But he says, no, the hope of your calling is that you rule from the heavens, that you live as a son of God, as a daughter of God. And when you speak, the spirit realm responds because it's almost like you are operating from that platform. How good is that? The eyes of our understanding need to be opened. And we need to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
that works towards us. It's funny, you know, sometimes we sort of have a bit of a detachment from God. And even though we can be devout, and you know, these 12 guys in the, in the room at Ephesus had a real faith, but they were detached from God. And then all of a sudden, Paul comes in and he upgrades them and he makes their faith real. I'll tell you when it came real for me. I was raised in church. But you know, one, uh, one time this lady, I remember her name. Her name was Kathy and she prayed for me and it was like God hit me like a freight train. Never ever doubted God after that ever again. It's what you call a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the game changer. That's the foundations of who we are. That's where we're called to live. The other thing is, Jesus said this, and it's the spirit of truth. If you want to be continually upgraded in your faith, it's like you've got to have a relationship. Say that, relationship with Jesus. And he said in John chapter 14, he said, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to pray to him and he's going to send you the spirit of truth. And he is going to lead you into the truth. But the world can't receive him, won't get him, can't understand him. Actually says that. Do you know right now we are living in what we call a post-truth era? A post-truth era. That's why every person, every Christian, every believer needs to be connected to the spirit of truth. You need a relationship with him. You pray to him. You talk to him. You pray like this, Father, I receive the spirit of truth into my life. Because the spirit of truth will always upgrade you. It'll go, no, John Gallard, that's not right. This is the way. It's like something on the inside of you. This is the spirit of truth. But we've made Christianity about academics in our head. But it's out the spirit on the inside, which is like a GPS that is taking us in the right way. Upgrading you, going to lead you into all truth. You might not know it all. I was like you when I started out. I was passionate about God. But tell anybody about that. I remember going to an accounting school when I was working for, in the bank. And it was a big class, probably this size. And I remember it because this bloke said, Rightio, where is he? Stood up this big buff head. Where is he? And everybody goes, where's who? Where's the born again Christian? And I thought, oh God, it's day one and they're calling me out already. Well, I was so quiet about that. But then I got sick of this guy going on in the end. And I just stood up on a chair one day toward the end of the course and I said, I've got a story to tell you. And everybody was just horrified. <laughs> My life's just a story of breakthroughs, but it's the spirit of truth. If you have not, are not well anchored to the spirit of truth, you'll either get caught up in dead religion 
or absolutely deceptive liberalism. You've got to be anchored to it. The spirit of truth. It's not something in here. You read the Bible, you study. That's the goalposts. That's a standard. But it's the spirit living on the inside of you that is going to bring you into all truth. Amen. There's got to be a partnership between the word and the spirit. And I believe this house is about hearing both. Amen. God's calling you up. He wants to upgrade you. So what do you do? You go home and you get your notes out and you study this and you check it out. And if you've got questions, you ask someone. If you're unsure about something, you test it. That's how you do it. And then you pray it into your life. God, give me a download. Speak to me like my pastor's talking to me about. And it'll change everything. You won't have to do what everyone does at school. You'll become the leaders. You know, it's what Daniel, this is the thing that made him different. The spirit of truth was at work in him, over him. Different dispensation. But he was like Jesus in a land that was so far away from God. And that's how we're called to be. Amen? You know, I tell you what, praying about in tongues is not just about that at all. It's the access code that takes us back in. That's what it is. We need the access code. Paul prayed, I pray that you would have the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. He prayed that to the church in Ephesus. That would be my prayer for you. Because if you don't get this, the world's just going to keep coming after you, coming after you. And if you haven't got it anchored on the inside of you like I have, you eventually get pulled that way whole lot of good people that I started out this journey with crazy things all started out great people that were in youth group in Albury they were the best, they were on fire a lot of marriages gone, you know strange doctrines weird why? because they weren't anchored to something And experience is not enough. You've got to be anchored to the truth. Who is a person who's revealed in the word of God. That's where you've got to go and find this book of Ephesians and read it. And find Acts 9 and and then Acts 19 and read and go, what's he talking about? And you'll be fine. You'll get there. Can I pray for you this morning? Just stand up and let's pray. This is the key to changing a city, a nation, a region. It really is. Because if you read on in Ephesus, that's exactly what it did. Father, I just thank you this morning.